Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get you done. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, and I have just finished up a semester abroad at the Spring Hill College Italy Center in Bologna, Italy. This is the first interview I've done in a while, and I was excited to get program coordinator Derek Lewis on the show today. Derek graduated from Santa Clara in 2017 in finance, and he's now working as a program coordinator doing all sorts of um, financial and administrative stuff for the Spring Hill College Italy Center, where I just finished up my study abroad experience and had a great time. During his time at Santa Clara, Derek developed an interest in business ethics that led him to an internship at Intel. After graduating, instead of continuing to remain in the Bay Area bubble, Derek moved to Bologna and spent the last two years working as a program coordinator there for the Spring Hill College Italy Center, where he studied abroad when he was in university. I wanted to talk to Derek to get his perspective on working and living abroad, especially since so many Santa Clara graduates stay close to home in the job market of the Bay Area after they graduate. In this conversation, we discuss Derek's journey to Italy, the future of work and migration, the summer internship Derek helped coordinate last summer in a small town in southern Italy, Derek has some great advice for new graduates, and I think you'll enjoy hearing the perspective of an alumni who took a little bit more of an unconventional path, and maybe you'll be inspired to experience more of the world yourself. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this conversation with Derek Lewis. So I'd I'd love to know to start out kind of rewinding back to your time at Santa Clara. Were there any memorable uh, classes or moments that kind of shaped your experience at Santa Clara? Yeah, one of the, actually the first class that I ever was in at Santa Clara was business ethics. Um, It was with Professor Mike Levenhagen when I was a freshman, fall quarter, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And um, it was an interesting way to start Santa Clara and kind of symbolic, I think, of my like educational journey through Santa Clara because I really enjoyed that class. Um, I enjoyed reading case studies about ethical companies and thinking about these like decision metrics that ethical companies use to um, work in the world. And then that experience kind of led me to the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics. And I eventually got an internship at Intel through there. Um, and it, yeah, it was kind of a defining part of my Santa Clara experience. And, it's kind of apropos that um, that's how I began my Santa Clara experience. Hmm. So. And what interested you about business ethics and made you want to look into the Markula Center and eventually get that internship? Well, I was really interested. I mean, one of the, one of the concepts that we learned in Levenhagen's class was that business ethics doesn't isn't just kind of like a moral or noble way to do things. It's also very practical. You know, so a lot of the companies that do ethical business in our current um, environment and 
the the world that we live in also happen to be very strong businesses too. So I was kind of I was taken aback by this new framework that I learned that basically an ethical business can also be a very successful business because I think sometimes we in modern culture or media is presented that businesses that are cutthroat or ruthless end up winning and you know ethical companies end up kind of sometimes losing but really what what the I learned in that class is that actually ethical business making is not only good for society, the environment, um, people at large, but also ends up benefiting the business on a number of different metrics, financial and otherwise. So, yeah. And yeah, and what about that summer uh, internship at, at Intel? What did you, what kind of work were you doing for them? What did you learn? Yeah, so actually it wasn't just a summer internship. I worked full time in the summer between junior and senior year. And then I worked about 20 to 30 hours a week during uh, my senior my senior year as well. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting seeing, well, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was the team that I worked with and they really walked their talk. Like people at Intel really thought about ethical decision-making and wanted to make it a priority um, in the company overall. One of the coolest projects that I participated in when I was at Intel was every year at the headquarters in Santa Clara, they would do an ethics and compliance global summit. And Intel has ethics and compliance liaisons in every one of its business units. And then everyone would come together once a year and talk about best practices, decision making. Um, we'd run through like scenarios, like this happened in our business group this year and this is how we handled it. We probably mishandled this part. We could have done that better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which was really cool. And then um, even the chairman of the board, Andy Bryant, who was at the very beginning of Intel came in and spoke. Um, the CFO of Intel came in and spoke. Um, and then the, um, the head of the legal department, the general counsel came in and spoke. So, and they were all saying pretty much similar things. So you can see it was really, it was an organization that really cared about doing the right thing and not only legally the right thing, but also, you know, they, they thought, thought through issues about, you know, what's the, be the best thing to do when tough, when faced with tough decisions. So yeah, that was cool. I think. I think what I learned at Intel was that um, it's really to have an ethical company is really a culture and not necessarily a set of rules. So by developing an ethical culture and it permeates through the whole culture, you're going to have better results than if you have a set of rules that no one listens to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were majoring in finance, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of Santa Clara finance majors might have the dream of working on Wall Street or being involved in stocks, right? That's kind of appealing inherently to people, but it sounds like that wasn't exactly your interest. So um, kind of what, what was your career plan with, with finance or how did, how did kind of finance and ethics tie together when, when you were thinking about that for your future? Yeah, it's interesting. I think my future is I've never really been geared towards um, like investment banking or hedge funds or <clears throat> that side of finance. I've always been more drawn, drawn towards the side of finance that enables businesses to do things right. So if you don't, if you have a business that isn't managed financially well, it doesn't matter what the intentions are. It's 
going to fail, you know? So my thinking with finance is using my financial skills and knowledge about financial planning, return on investments, um, budgeting and accounting to enable organizations that have a mission be able to do their mission, right? So my career plan would be more geared towards working for NGOs, nonprofits, nonprofit management um, from a lens of financial analysis and seeing how to make it work. Mm-hmm. So. And were you already kind of thinking that in your time at Santa Clara when you were with Intel? Yeah, yes, kind of. It was starting to form. I guess kind of at Santa Clara um, with my with the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics, um, the classes I was taking. I kind of had this realization while I was at Santa Clara. I definitely didn't come into Santa Clara thinking that's that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, at the business school at Santa Clara, it's nice because you can declare a major up to the end of your sophomore year. And I didn't declare finance until the end of my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of happened um, like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice because Santa Clara offers class like I actually didn't take the conscious capitalism class my senior year, but I went to all their open lectures. It didn't fit my schedule, but um, and which was really informative also. So, yeah, yeah. I, went to, I went to a few of those last year there. Yeah. They're pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we're, we're sitting here in Bologna, Italy. So when, when did Italy first become a part of your life or what's your, what was your first kind of connection with Italy? Yeah. Well, first connection with Italy, I guess, started when I, just being in my family, my, um, grandma's an immigrant from Italy to the United States. So I grew up with a lot of the Italian cultures and traditions and um, like lifestyles, Italian lifestyles at home. And so it always been kind of like when I was younger, it was kind of like a place to, it was almost kind of like a mythical place that my parents always talk about, oh, we have to take you to Italy someday. And my grandma would always say, oh, we have to take you to Italy. We have to, you have to meet the family and our friends. And so I'd kind of always had this idea of it be a place that I would want to spend time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when you were at Santa Clara, how, how did the Spring Hill program come into the picture? Yeah, it was interesting because I was definitely looking at programs in Italy. I had my mindset that I wanted to come to Italy. I took Italian language as a sophomore. And so when the study abroad fair came around, I went and looked at the programs that were based in Italy. And um, I kind of looked at IES in Milan and then Loyal of Chicago and Rome and then the Spring Hill Italy Center for me felt like a really good fit because Bologna itself is such a small town and there's a really big communal vibe. And um, the recruiter I was talking to was talking about how there's, you know, 70,000 students that live in Bologna in a small space. You go out at night, it's really easy to meet people. It's easy to eat, meet young Italian students. So I was really drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, how was your abroad experience in Italy on this program? My abroad experience was, I would say, really, really formative. Um, the Italy Center is definitely kind of along the same lines of what I was already interested in, which is like social justice and ethical decision-making. Um, so I felt, I felt like it was a really informative experience for me. I loved, it was also really challenging, I think, it's kind of the first time in my life where I ever was, I came in not knowing a single person, you know, when I came to the Italy Center as a junior, I didn't know 
I have I had no expectations. I didn't know a single other student in the program, and I was obviously far away from home. So um, it was challenging in the aspect of just being alone overseas, but meeting friends and developing new social skills. And then the curriculum um, at the Italy Center was really geared toward what I was interested in. So it was really formative. I left thinking, I think for me, I'd never really had ambitions on having an international career before studying abroad. And then after studying abroad, I realized that it was possible to have a really international career. Hmm. And not only possible, but um, like, I think it would be really beneficial. It, it opened my eyes to the rest of the world. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of students might kind of romanticize about working in another country. But then when it comes down to it, you know, it's like, well, I know... I have connections in this area and you know there's opportunities in this area whether that's where you're from or the bay area and people end up staying right and the vast majority of santa clara students do kind of stay in the bay area so i guess i don't know like what would you what would you say to a student who's maybe like has those ambitions to maybe study abroad or, or work abroad but just like isn't sure if it's if it's possible because you obviously took the step and made it happen but a lot of people i feel like just stay where they're where it's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, after I graduated in 2017, I had opportunities to stay in the Bay Area. Um, and then I had this opportunity to come and work in Italy. And um, I think it's a lot easier to go back to the United States and reinsert yourself in that network than it is to come to Europe. So that's kind of like the decision-making process I, I went through was saying, listen, if I come back, if I don't like working abroad or it's not the right fit for me, in two years' time, I'll still know a lot of Santa Clara people, connections in the Bay Area, friends, and kind of, it'll be a little bit harder to reinsert myself in the job network, but possible. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I pass up this opportunity to leave now, I don't know if, you know, I I kind of felt like I would get sucked in to Mm -hmm. that social circle in in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful. I mean, like, Santa Clara is really great in that it has that really strong network in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But also, I wanted the opportunity to kind of like expand my network and meet people in Europe, overseas. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You said you had other job opportunities after college in the Bay Area. So was there any, I don't know, like after you made the decision to come to Italy, did you ever have any like second thoughts or fear, worries that it wouldn't boost your career, that you'd fall behind, that you wouldn't be close to friends? It's a big, It's a big distance from your friends and family that you had too, right? So did any of those things ever like come up when you started working here? Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Like, I think, I mean, one, the Bay Area pays really well. So for sure I took a pay cut. And that's always kind of on your mind. Like, you know, I might be my, my life might be a little bit more comfortable in the Bay Area. You know, maybe I'd have more friends, certainly, um, and like social opportunities. But I think... What you lose from that, I gain in other areas. Like, I've really had to be, since coming here, I've had to, like, learn new skills um, that don't come from staying in the Bay Area, like meeting new people, joining groups, making connections, and creating, like, my own social circle, not connected to a network like Santa Clara, which I think is a really good skill to have in life. And it's something I've really developed in these last two years, like, putting myself out there, meeting people and, you know, making contacts. And I think that's a really good soft skill to have, you know, 
And then making new friends also has been really, really rewarding. So, but yeah, it's, it's a struggle, I think. It, but, but what I like about it is that it's not comfortable. I think if I was to stay in Santa Clara or to stay in the Bay Area, San Francisco, I think I would get trapped into the comfortable aspect of always being with friends and finding it harder to kind of escape that Santa Clara bubble that's so strong for better and worse, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you were to go back and work in the U.S., how do you think you would be different or would there be any parts of the, maybe the American culture that you, you would kind of want to like stay away from and keep parts of the Italian you've developed? Or? Yeah. Well, I think like if I were to go back to the United States in the coming years, one, I think I'll have developed skills that will make me more competitive in the job market in the United States. Honestly, like I think having learn different languages and different mentality, not only in Italy, but in Europe, mm-hmm. having seen a lot of the different ways people think regulations in Europe and having kind of gone through that through my work now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll have skills that won't be similar to the skills that my peers have that have graduated Santa Clara and worked in that environment. So I think on one aspect, it's really helpful to, to work and live abroad. Um, but I think the hardest thing for me that I would try to avoid when I went back, if I do go back to the United States is I want to keep my ability to kind of like reach out and keep encountering new, um, communities in the United States than just kind of sinking back with the comfortability of known friends and known situations, known jobs, which is, a, it's, I think it's hard to do when you're back in that environment, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of revert back to your old self. Mm-hmm. which is why it's really attractive for me to stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one thing that's come up, I think, for me and a lot of other students too on this program is kind of the balance between new things and comfortable things, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this semester has been a time of all kinds of new things and new people and new cities and new countries. Um, but I think it's also made you know, me and a lot of other people appreciate some parts of their life back uh, back in the... U.S. So, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I'd also I'm curious about the um, the summer um, program that you uh, helped with in Italy this this past summer in in uh, southern Italy. So could you maybe say a little bit about that? What kind of projects were you working on? Yeah, the project itself was called the um, um, Italy Center Summer Migration Fellowship. And basically, I was managing four full-time interns, student interns, um, either going into their final year of college or um, having just graduated university. And we worked in Puglia, in a town called Brindisi. It's very, very southern Italy, at the heel of the boot of Italy, um, which is a migration hotspot in Europe right now. So a lot of migrants, like, it's really big news in Europe now that the European migration crisis because hundreds of thousands of people have been coming across um, European borders in the last few years. And a lot of them come via the Mediterranean route from Libya to Southern Italy, and then either stay in Italy or continue on to other countries in Europe. So we were working at one of the, um, it's called the Centro Colienza per richiedenti asilo which is basically an, a, welcome, um, a, a refugee center where refugees, once they land in Italy, they declare political asylum or refugee status, and then they wait in these centers until their claims are processed. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we were working there three days a week, and then we were working at a caritas shelter, which is kind of like a, a soup kitchen group home for, for migrants and refugees. It's a Catholic organization, so, and we were working there the other two days a week. It was a really, really interesting project, um, really remote and kind of on the front lines of what's the European migration crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it, did it change your mind or your stereotypes about migrants at all? We're working so closely. Yeah, I think personally, I didn't go into the internship and I try now not to tie up political beliefs with what I learned. Like I really tried to go into the experience and say, okay, this is like obviously a big political issue in Europe. But instead of judging one way or the other, I just want to learn. And so with that mindset, I was just really observant and asked a lot of questions and really just tried to learn like what the system is like, you know, for political asylum seekers in in Italy and in Europe, you know, um, what the living conditions are like, where they come from, why they left their homes, how did they get to Italy? And so without, I, I tried to learn I try. I, it was. I really tried to look at it as a learning experience without judgment either way. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. One question that I've, I've asked some other people that I've interviewed about that I always think is interesting is kind of your thoughts on what what the future of work will look like, or especially as it ties into migration and as kind of inequality increases and technology increases exponentially like a fear that that people at the bottom will just be like left behind right and that that people won't be like needed in the in the economies i know this is a this is a big question but like how do you think that that future will look like do you think we can get to a world where you know someone can migrate to a, a country like italy and like find sustainable work or are, are, are you are you worried about that that future Mm, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting question because you're kind of doing like combining two like pretty big global issues right now. One of them being migration, and then the other being the future of work. And so to kind of like see how they intertwine is like an interesting thing. I think the future of work is a really interesting topic because as automation increases, you know, people are we're not there's just not going to be as many jobs, and then so finding out the new job of societies will be in communities will be how to support because it's an interesting because as technological advances go up material wealth will also continue to go up i mean if you look at the last 200 years like new technologies is always equal more efficiencies and therefore more materials and material wealth with less labor so then it becomes the idea of societies redistributing that material wealth and labor to people that no longer have the work, right? Mm-hmm. And then the questions are, well, when does, are you, it's finding the balance so that you can keep innovating mm-hmm. and there are still incentives to innovate while mm-hmm. having um, fair society so that people don't get left behind what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting question because when you're talking about migration, you're talking about looking at those societies on a global level, mm-hmm. right? Because migration is really an issue where what different societies do on a global level impacts, right? Mm-hmm. So we ha- I, think, I think we have to stop looking at it as nation states and start think- looking at it as like our global planet, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think it's interesting because the issue of migration for me boils down to what happens when different states or 
manage different ways and why people would want to move to a different state over one or the other, right? So Africa right now is, uh, it's interesting because a lot of the, the uh, one reason that there's a lot of migrants from Africa right now is because more people, it's conversely, it's kind of like unexpected, but a lot of people are getting out of extreme poverty and finally have the resources to be able to migrate. You know, people in extreme poverty can't migrate. Right. And it's only in the last 20 years that 20% of the world's population has been lifted out of extreme mm-hmm. poverty and now has the means to migrate, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you, do you think businesses have any responsibility in this, in these issues or should it mostly be on governments to... Well, yeah, this is, that's an, that's another interesting point. Whereas I have always been someone that's like working for industry. So I do think it's businesses have responsibility to, to think about these global issues, you know, like businesses. And that's where it comes back to ethical decision making mm-hmm. is and the triple bottom line, environment, social and financial is mm-hmm. when you're, when you're coming back to these ethical decision frameworks is businesses should be thinking not only about profit maximization, but about how they can create better societies, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I'd love to wrap up with a couple shorter questions here. Okay. Um, so first, first off, do you have any uh, favorite place outside of Italy or the United States that you've traveled to? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's kind of funny because of our current situation in the U.S. right now. But one of the coolest places I think I've been was St. Petersburg, Russia. Hmm. Wow. Really, really cool. Um. I don't know. I think the Russian culture is really interesting. They have a lot of history and yeah, their culture is really, really interesting. St. Petersburg is a beautiful city. It's kind of like the Venice of Russia. Like there's all these canals and people are And I went in the summer when it never gets dark. So for two weeks, it doesn't get dark and people are outside on the streets talking, you know, eating the food's really good. And then the Russian cultural mindset is totally different than a European mindset or an American mindset in unique ways. Like people in Russia are very blunt and say what they mean and kind of, they don't like kind of like try to, there's not like a delicacy like we have in Western culture, mm-hmm. I think hmm. people are very blunt. It was really interesting experience. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any um, good books that you've read recently that have been thought provoking? Yeah, definitely. I read Factfulness by Hans Rosling. And I couldn't recommend it enough. It was a super interesting way to like look at the world. If you could give a, a piece of advice to a new student just starting out at Santa Clara, what would you say? I would say take advantage of the opportunities that Santa Clara presents. Like there's so many cool centers. I know you work at the Miller Center, the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics, um, other organizations on campus. That's how you kind of like if a lot of people are thinking about making connections or getting jobs after graduation or just even having good formative experiences, it all happens through those centers. So I would say get involved with centers on campus. And then also, obviously, I work for global education in Italy. I would say spend time outside of the United States because it's yeah it's one of the best. I mean, our world's globalizing. Um, so it's the best one of the best things you can do is learn how other cultures think. Mm-hmm. If you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you say? And th- this is kind of funny because I've asked this question to a lot of people, but I've never asked it outside of the United States. So I've never even 
thought of the fact that an international person has a could, could have something different to say about that. And, that. and that's actually been something interesting this quarter for me is just that I feel like as we kind of travel around as a group, it's interesting that people in Italy almost often do have messages that they want people in the U.S. to know. So that, that's just my interesting note on that question. But mm-hmm. do, you, do you have anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I guess from, a, from an international, international perspective, I think um, to send a message to everyone in the United States, I would say there are other things, there are other ways to live life. And our culture and our way of life isn't necessarily the best, you know. I think you. I think there are pros and cons in the cultures that I've seen or traveled to. I think there's pros and cons, and I think um, depending on what you value in life, um, other cultures might do it better than us, you know. From an international perspective, I have a lot of other things that I would say to the average American. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. yeah. And finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like for you? Ooh, an ideal Saturday would be to wake up, go for a long bike ride in the morning, in somewhere in Italy, um, have lunch, and then have an aperitivo with friends in Bologna. Go out to dinner and um, a nice rest, like like nice food, and yeah, hang out with people speak different languages. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this interview. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesOfSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.